Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Julie Gould, and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. I'm sad to say that this is the sixth and final episode of the technology series that we've been running, but it's been a really interesting and exciting adventure. I've really enjoyed looking at what technologies are shaping research, science and universities. Now, in this last episode, I wanted to share Lee Cronin's technology story. He's been a chemist working in academia for the last 20 years, and he's been trying to build a piece of technology that can find the origins of life on Earth. The machine he's developed is called the computer, and it's a beautiful example of how technologies and fundamental research are constantly at war and how they have shaped the way that he has built his piece of kit. I wanted to make a search engine, a chemical Google, to search for the origin of life. That's where I'm coming at this. And many years ago, I designed a system for doing chemistry robotically so we could automatically do chemistry. The reason for doing that is that, of course... um, that how did, asking a question like how the life, life got started is kind of a huge one because it took you know, several hundred million years on a planet for life to emerge from very simple chemistry. So all I wanted to do is automate that to make the process less difficult for the human being. And that's where the concept of the computer was born. If you imagine going back to the beginning, when, before life was on Earth, all the chemicals were really simple. And what I needed to do is to make a robot that would really basically sift through all the simple chemicals and look for reactions and go, is that more lifelike? Is that less lifelike? And so I imagined this kind of Lego kit of chemical reactors I could slot together. The second part of that is obviously having these modules, the Lego bits together and doing the chemistry in them was only half the story because if we can't tell what's happened, then there's literally going to be no, uh, we wouldn't know where to search next. So I had to use in real-time data analysis and build a kind of closed-loop control system to say, right, done a reaction, has anything interesting happened? What do we do next? Now, if you ask those questions, what you have to imagine is you have a database and the database is empty, and then you do a reaction, and you put that, the outcome into the database, and you keep going, that type of approach, when it's really well-controlled, l- l- lends you to use techniques from machine learning and artificial intelligence, because you can suddenly look for unexpected changes and also process large amounts of data. So when you're looking for novelty, you want the system to have no biases, no constraints. So how did you get the system to make sure that it doesn't have any of those? by choosing chemicals that we would mix together at random. And of course, the selection introduced bias and my postdoc introduced bias because the reagent selection, 
he designed them to be a bit more interesting than I would have because he wanted the reactions to occur on a time scale that his postdoc was reasonable. So he wasn't doing a postdoc with me for 10 years. <laughs> so, so that was quite a reasonable thing for him to do. But actually, the system doesn't have any knowledge of, of the chemistry to start with. It just finds it out by trying to combine the chemicals together and look at the outcomes in the, in the chemical space. So and that was quite important if you want to basically search and look for genuinely new outcomes. It must be quite exciting to have been working on a project for 20 years since you started yeah. being an academic and to finally see that the technology has been not quite there and then it's arrived and you've been able to develop something that's trying to answer the question that you started with at the beginning of your academic career and you're now 20 years later. I mean, how does that feel to have spent that long waiting to finally start answering the question that you had at the very beginning? <laughs> Well, I don't think I've been waiting. I've been building. I mean, I've had to build a lot of these technologies myself. I mean, there was no such thing as a abstraction for organic chemistry. I had to build, I had to construct that, you know, literally brute force. So I've just, I, I guess I've been dreaming of looking at the origin of life and complexity in chemistry since I was an A-level student, if not earlier, when I was looking at oscillating chemical reactions. When I was an undergraduate, I then started to build flow systems and really basic computer control feedback to look at the Bluzov-Sabaskinsky reaction, which is an oscillating chemical reaction using a flow system and, and then recording it using a, in a, a light-dependent resistor because we didn't have webcams back then. And I suppose what I've been doing over the years is iterating, going through that loop of build a system um, with its available technology, see what new information get out, and then loop it again with new technology and then use that to design new technologies. And I think that's the kind of thing that has really kicked us up a level is that we've been able to develop our own electronics, our own hardware, our own software, specifically for the chemistry. And to answer your question, it's incredibly exciting, because I think we're able to, we're literally building the Large Hadron Collider for the origin of life in the lab. That's a big statement. I imagine it's a lot smaller than the Large Hadron Collider, though. Uh, yes, it's, the large, it's a lot smaller because we don't have to put charged particles in a few kilometer long ring. But it is quite, uh, there's quite a lot of technology. I mean, my lab downstairs uh, is absolutely crammed with pumps and valves and, and analytical technologies. I want to ask you a little bit about how you see technology changing the way that academic research is done because clearly your research has changed you said you know you, you have created a machine through various iterations as the technology has developed and, and as you've built it but how are these technologies in university labs changing academic research and, and scientific research they're having a profound impact and i think it always has had i mean in chemistry the biggest technology, well, I mean, I, I better be careful because I think everyone's going to have a different opinion, but one of the biggest developments in technology to change chemistry in the last few years has been a technique called nuclear magnetic resonance spectroscopy, NMR, and, in, and that was to do with the digitization of, you know, the, 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 the readouts and making better magnets, and that allowed us to tell how organic molecules are connected together much better and, and aim at new drugs and so on. So there's always been this arms race, if you like, between technology and fundamental research. And, and using automation in chemistry is no different. And, um, but there is a difference because for almost 200 years, the chemistry lab has been a manual labor place. Everyone's been doing everything by hand. And I realized by building the computer, suddenly 
in even in a research laboratory, there are things you would never want to do by hand anymore. And so suddenly this changes what chemistry is a very visceral, very practical, very integrated discipline. But suddenly I'm thinking, well, do we need to learn how to do reactions by hand anymore? Shouldn't we start to train people how to use robots, even from the undergraduate level? And so I think this is going to be really interesting because for a practical discipline such as chemistry, the way we teach it, the way we do research in it, and then the way we deploy it in industry is set for a massive revolution. How do you see technologies changing the way that uh, academic researchers, uh, that scientific researchers are trained? I, th- I think that, 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 that technology will change, this technology, the computer technology and automation will change the way chemists are trained dramatically. Um, because you, when you go into a, a university laboratory to be as an undergraduate chemist, you get given some glassware and you get taught how to clean it, do basic organic reactions, inorganic reactions, and analytical science. But now, just imagine the glassware is not just glassware, but it's programmable. So now you think programmatically and you actually code for it. Suddenly, you're not, and you don't have to move the liquids around by hand suddenly you have to think in a completely different way and you have to integrate this idea of programming something um, with the operations. And I think going teaching at that undergraduate level is going to be transformative because suddenly undergraduates are going to be combining the concepts of um, making molecules, detecting molecules, understanding change, but using robotics to carefully control it and using programming and software to really carefully do it. That's really important because that's, that increases the reproducibility, increases the throughput, but also it changes the way that we think about um, how chemistry works. We're going to be teaching a different set of skills, and some people worry that it, you know, we're we're we're, we're going to forget the most fundamental skills, the intuition we need in chemistry. But I would argue that's not the case because we have so many molecules to make, so many things to find out. That the 200-year-old chemistry lab where nothing has changed is really set for a revolution. Lee's final thoughts made me want to ask how others think technologies are going to change the way science and research is done. So I asked Jeff Pakel, our Nature Technology Editor, who you've already met, what he thought the big game changes will be in tech in the coming years. My experience, I think the most interesting things happen when you're at the intersection between different areas of science. So the advances in, in microscopy come from biophysicists or optical physicists who are able to work with biologists to help them solve a problem and shape light into some fashion that had had never been done before, and suddenly you have a new form of microscopy that can answer some new, previously unanswerable question. And I think that that's true for many different branches of science. So I think think it's, it's at these intersections that we really need to be looking for the next big thing, and hopefully that will allow us to answer questions in a way that we never thought possible, and hopefully with the increasing diversity in science, both in terms of the demographics of people who are actually conducting the science, and where they're conducting the science, and how they're doing the science, you know, in big interdisciplinary groups and big interdisciplinary teams spread around the world, we'll see new kinds of research happening that we couldn't have imagined 10 years ago. Because you said you focus on the life sciences, there was a feature, Tech to Watch, in 2019, so what was your favorite piece of technology that you mentioned in, in that article for the life sciences specifically? So the technology to watch feature is uh, focused on 
a handful of technologies. There was advances in single cell biology. There was gene editing. There was increasing the spatial and temporal resolution of light microscopy. There was brain connectivity mapping, molecular structure analysis, artificial intelligence, and uh, synthetic genomes. Uh, for me personally, I think the synthetic genomics work is just amazing. The notion that we have the technology to write a genome to do what we want and you know, or, or to test our ability to create a genome to do what we want and to make it come to life is remarkable. And uh, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that, you know, when you first hear about it, it sounds completely implausible. And now it's, you know, I mean, in very limited circumstances with obvious, with obvious limitations, but nevertheless, people are actually doing this work. And that's the one I'm going to be watching most closely. Jake Schofield, the CEO and co-founder of LabStep, who we've also heard from, is looking forward to seeing how coding is going to magnify the ability to discover new things in science. Even in the very short term, you have a look at the introduction of computing and computational analysis. That's completely changed the game as far as research. And it's, you have a look at a lot of people now Coding is a fundamental skill set associated with research. Everybody is familiar in R or in Python. Um, and I think that that's going to continue to permeate. That's going to continue to magnify the ability to discover and unearth things that previously were not just as accessible. I also feel that there's obviously massive advances that are coming both from computational research, really exciting steps being made in hardware, the way in which we can capture new forms of data at greater resolution, at greater volumes, and then our ability to process and interpret that. Thank you to Lee Cronin, Jeff Pakel, and Jake Schofield for this episode, and obviously also to Mark Dodgson, Jess Hedge, Harriet Alexander, Simon Hetrick, Brian McNamee, and Ben Britton for their contributions throughout the series. Later this year, we'll be launching our third series of 2019, All About Physics. But this is it for now. So... Thanks again for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 